This episode is sponsored by our friends at Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a good listener, you can get your first month of subscription free or 20% off a single song purchase. Just enter promo code GOOD when you check out. This episode is sponsored by Film Supply. Film Supply is one of the most highly curated stock footage catalogs you'll find available today. Finish your next project faster with footage that matches your creative vision. Go to filmsupply.com for more info. And just for good listeners, they're offering three free clips when you sign up and 20% off your next project with coupon code GOODPODCAST. Also this season, we're continuing to give away a ton of content over at Patreon, sharing treatments, behind-the-scenes photos, and ways to interact with our guests from each episode. To become a patron, check out patreon.com slash goodthepodcast. Now, here's the show. Hey guys, my name's Christian Schultz, and this is Good. Guys, I'm sick. I'm sorry. Um, But I wanted to get this show out there for you guys this week. Um, Things are getting busy um, in a good way, you know. I'm going to be traveling for a little bit, doing some work. Um, But I'm I'm overly excited about this show. I've been a a huge fan of Young Replicant for a long time. Um, But before we get into that interview, we've got some business to take care of. Um, right now, there is still a plot device giveaway. This is the second of two. Uh, because I was traveling last week, I was not able to uh, post like I needed to uh, with the plot device giveaway. And so I'm going to leave it open for this week. So make sure if you would like to enter to win the storyboard workbook, please just go to our Instagram, follow plot devices, follow us, tag a friend and comment below. And you may have a chance to win one of these bundles. And it's that easy, friends. That easy. Uh, Some other business. We're not going to have a show next week. But uh, we do have a lot of interviews coming your way that have already been done. They're already in post-production. Christian Stropko is literally staying up all nights and weekends. No days off. I'm super excited to tell you about who we have coming on the show uh, very soon. But I can say next week's episode will not be here. But the next week, we will have an interview with cinematographer Dustin Lane. And um, I'm super excited about that episode. But today, we have um, a very cool interview with a young man named Young Replicant. And um, that's his pseudonym that he goes by. If you're in the music video world at all, you know who Young Replicant... Or you've, you've seen the, the things that he's done. You've seen the, the music videos that he's done. I think he's a weirdo, and I love him. And... Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview that I had with um, director Young Replicant. Where did you uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up here. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I can't say I'm an LA native, but I uh, my parents moved here when I was one years old, mm-hmm. so I lived here till now. Um, I was born in Toronto. So I f- I feel like I need. Some, because your work is so interesting. Like I, I need some like context of like maybe who you are. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like even just sort of like the basics. Sort of like when did you start trying to make films, or was it always music videos, or was it something else? You know, young Alex. You know young, what I mean? <laughs> young Alex. Uh, I was always interested in in making films. I think before that there was like some period in like third grade where I wanted to make video games mm-hmm. and then before that I think I wanted to be a scientist but um, after that I think I started to get into uh, like a lot of stop motion animation I mm-hmm. think that was like my first sort of foray into filmmaking um, 
just like claymation and action right. figures and stuff. Um, and I did that throughout high school. Um, but I, and I also, I also did like a lot of sort of video stuff in high school as well, mm-hmm. mostly like projects for, for school. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that kind of catalyzed a lot of. Did you ever have a, um, a thing for like magic by chance? No. No? <laughs> like, like magic tricks? Yeah, like magicians or doing card tricks to your friends and stuff. That was never a part of your life. That was not, no. I can't. I can't <laughs> say that. That that's definitely more of like a. I was never much of a performer. Right. You know, I was like a little bit more uh, introverted. Yeah, I, I have. I just have this theory that I don't know. It's just a lot of my friends that are all filmmakers now, all have this sort of like magician background. <laughs> it sounds like a joke but it's like it's very true i don't i don't know where it is it's like sort of but i think it's sort of the same thing as claymation like it's yeah there's a certain magic trick there's a trick happening right yeah oh now that you you mentioned that i i do remember some of like the first stop motion animation things that i did with like my dad's help and, and my friends was like to you know make yourself disappear Mm. that was like the first lesson so stop motion animation lesson that you could you know the first sort of trick you could do you would right you know you'd have a, a remote control car moving towards an action figure and then you'd take the action figure away and put like something a sort of a puddle of goo and then it would look like they got run over you know so it's like right. this sort of yeah i guess that is a little bit like yeah like a magic it, it is yeah. interesting though like I, the looking at your work now even just up to your current stuff there is still a lot of i guess speaking more on music videos there still is a lot of trickery to your stuff would you mm. would you say that yeah i mean in what way like sort whether of- it's like mixing cg in in really well with a scene and like or using some kind of gag in order to make something look really interesting and um yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, without knowing all of your sort of behind the scenes, obviously, uh-huh. it feels like there's some, there's some, it's not, um, it's not like your normal sort of like consumer after effects shit. It's right. like actually very high level stuff oh. that you, it feels like you've been sort of crafting it for a while. Thanks. So it would make sense that you sort of started it the same sort of way. Yeah. I mean, most of it is consumer grade after effects. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I see that. That's, that kind of brings back another memory. Um, my dad had like a sort of full collection of um, Cinefix magazine, mm. which is like the, it's like a special effects, kind of a trade magazine. Well, not really, but it, it you know, it's like whatever sort of big, uh, SFX movies came out that year um, and then like the, the breakdowns of how they did all the special effects and stuff mm-hmm. so it's and it like the his collection sort of ranged from like late late 70s to to the 90s wow. um, so that was you know and there's a lot of like really I liked it because it was just these beautiful you know geeky pictures right, of monsters right. and stuff um, and and then, of course, also like the behind the scenes was probably also like very influential to see that happening. Um, and as well, like a lot of that stuff was like stop motion and like trick photography. Mm-hmm. So I do sort of have a, a kind of background in that. Um, and then, yeah, so I've, I've always had a, like a respect for, for visual effects and like, um, I still you know, I still haven't really made anything that's like super VFX heavy. Right. It's always been kind of like just like a sort of a, an accent on yeah, something that's already there. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that, uh, is like part of my work for sure. Right. How did you find your way into, I guess, just sort of claiming the role as a director, you know, like, did you go through sort of a, film school experience or were you sort of one man banning sort of your friends music videos what what did that look like um i feel i mean i come from sort of a, my back like my family my dad's a director my aunts and uncles are gaffers and uh makeup people in toronto mm-hmm. um 
my mom was like a production manager until she had me. Um, so I think there was like, you know, full disclosure that was always kind of in my background. Like I, it, it seemed not that I always knew I was going to direct or that's what I wanted to do, but it, it's kind of inescapable. (laughs) Like you just, it's sort of a a foregone conclusion. (laughs) Um, but in college, um, I, yeah, basically, um, I went to UCLA, um, after high school. So I, I really haven't left Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I enrolled, well, so you have to, I went to UCLA because I wanted to go to the film program there. Um, and to do that, you have to be a a junior. So or yeah, I think, no, yes, junior. So you have to have like two years of an undergrad something before you can apply to the film school, which I think is pretty smart. Um, but for two years, I didn't really know what to do. First, I was an English major. Um, and then I started taking some uh, design classes just mm-hmm. for fun because I had, I had done like a UCLA DMA is the name of the program. Uh, it's Design Media Arts. Um, I took like a summer sessions one, one summer and we like made a music video when I was like 16. Um, so that kind of like introduced me to that department and I thought like, oh, this would be cool. You know, for a year I can just kind of like dick around and, you know, make some cool projects right. and whatever. So I, I enrolled into DMA with the intention of eventually transferring out into the film program. Um, and so I started, so like, while I was at DMA, I like met some, some like-minded people and, um, yeah, basically like, like, like you mentioned, um, got some friends together to like make a, make a music video. Um, the first one was, uh, for M83. Um, it was this like really weird, I think in like 2008, he did this like YouTube contest, Mm. which was kind of like a crowdsourcing uh, music video contest where you like, it was for We on the Sky. And, um, you know, you make make something and like upload it to YouTube and then he like picks the winner. Um, (laughs) And he was like my, yeah, which is like something I don't think you could get away with today. Um, But at the time it was really cool. Um, so I got some friends together. Um, my closest friends or best friends since childhood, um, Joe Nankin, um, we worked together on that project. Um, and we ended up winning. So that was kind of like the sort of a weird fluky thing that sort of was like, (laughs) Oh, we could like, here we have this, like, you know, we started out out of the gate with like, a official video for a band that we loved. Um, and of course it made a lot of people very angry. Right. <laughs> you of course. Um, but, uh, yeah. What was, I, what was the video? I'm sure you've, oh, have you buried it at this point or? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, it's from 2008. Right. So it was like a, got a decade ago. Um, super embarrassing, but right. it had a, I mean, I think we approached it. It was like, we thought that, you know, knowing M80, we kind of looked at it as a sort of a, I don't know, I was in, I was in design school at the time. So, you know, we were doing a lot of like branding and sort of visual, um, uh, just sort of like visual concepts um, right. related to related to visual communication, you know? And so we're like, we looked at M83 and, and the kinds of things that he likes and his sort of style and his genre. And he's like very into this kind of, kind of like naive, earnest mm-hmm. teenage angst and teen love and, you know, all these kinds of themes. So we tried to combine all that stuff. Um, and it's basically, oh God, um, it's like a bunch of like cool kids hanging out at Malibu Creek state park mm-hmm. And they like fly some kites. <laughs> it's very twee. Right. Um, but then something weird happens. There's these like big blocks, these kind of like geometric shapes appear in the sky. And it's like this sort of 
close encounters, kind of like arrival of something weird and it's ominous and they run away and they're sort of scared. But then, you know, the young lovers like step out into the field and the, they sort of embrace these like strange objects and they explode and it like rains confetti on them. And it's like a little dance party. Um, so it's like very 2008, very, uh, very twee. Right. that got you another music video and then maybe another one after that is that kind of not how it happened Mm, it it took it took that was sort of a that i think that just set the tone for like well this is something we could do right can you can just sort of direct music videos and it's you know get your friends together and and make something right um and this was like before dslr so like we were shooting on like a panasonic p3 Mm. I think it is, um, which is like, or P2, sorry, P2, um, you know, these like bizarre, uh, definitely above prosumer, right? but like still, you know, high tech for the time. For yeah. Sure. And I, I think like the, the high tech thing was to put like a, a red rock 35 mil adapter onto one of right. those things. Of and that's <laughs> the, yeah. So I was like, I ju- it, I'm glad we had that experience just before the kind of like DSLR boom. Um, Cause that like right after that was the next thing we shot was on a DSLR. Right. Um, so you were kind of ready to go into uh, a little bit ahead of the curve, maybe. Yeah. Most people. Yeah, I think so. And, and it was, it, nothing came from that particularly it was because I was, I was still in school. So that was like my first year of school. Um, and then I started to do sort of through the, some of the people I'd worked with on that video. Um, I did another one for this, uh, it was like Angela McCluskey and telepot music mm-hmm. had a thing. And I did made a, also kind of a twee, <laughs> twee video. Um, you're just hacking the culture, man. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Let's be real. Oh man. I know. It's just so embarrassing to look back now. <laughs> um, it would be embarrassing if you had stayed there, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. it's, it, yeah. Same thing with music. Like I played in a right, lot of right. bands in high school and we had a whole little music scene and, and now I can't like, I can't really listen to any of those bands. Dude, what was it like to grow up? Like, what was the music scene like in L.A. in, I'm going to guess, like, uh, late 90s or maybe early 2000s? Early Is that 2000s, kinda... yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, I think I graduated high school in 2008. So, uh-huh. um, it was, yeah, I mean, it. it I, I grew up with a lot of, like, public school. Like, I went to public school. All my friends right. were in public school. So I felt like I had a very different experience of Los Angeles than most, some maybe other people might. Um, right. It was kind of like, it, you know, it's not, I don't know what people's perception of, like, growing up in L.A. is like, but, like, I don't I don't think I've, like, ever seen a celebrity. You know, <laughs> like, like, maybe, I mean, there's a few, but very rarely. Um Right. And it's just, yeah, it was just very, like, low-key. Um, a lot of, like, house shows. I guess it's, like, anywhere. Right, we, right. We had these, like, high school bands, and um, I was a drummer. Um, and I sort of played in the my best friend's band. And it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, for the best. Um, <laughs> like, I was, you know, like, I sort of, like, gave it up after a while. Um, right. But I really enjoyed it. I think that definitely had something to do with kind of my entry into music videos, just being part of that. Like, I, as the drummer, you tend to also be um, sort of the person in charge of recording because drums are the hardest instrument to record. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need the most gear. And so um, that's kind of what I did uh, a lot of was, like, recording and, you know, running logic and mixing and stuff. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of house shows, um, parties and things. Right, right. Wasn't super exciting. I don't know. I, 
Uh, well, it's interesting. It's just always interesting to see, like what, like in my hometown, it was just it was basically ninety five percent sort of hardcore screamo bands, uh, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking like L A would be a little bit of ahead of the time, or like they've gone through some some more music scene sort of changes. You know? Yeah. They, they might be a little bit more diverse than where I grew up. You know right. I mean? A little bit. I mean, it was it was very like indie rock. Right, like heavy indie, you know, like melodic indie rock, some post rock, a lot of like multi part songs that, you know, were just like way too long. Right, um, probably should have been split up into three or four right, different right. songs. <laughs> um, and then there was like maybe like the coolest band in our little scene was this band called Nephews. Um, and that Will, sounds like a cool band. That <laughs> Will, sounds like so progressive. Man. Yeah. Well, actually, so it's, it's um, Will Weisenfeld, who's now Bath, was the bassist for this band. Okay. Um, and basically, so like they would all wear these kind of white masks and play, you know, with a strobe light in a dark garage. And it was like really complicated math rock. Mm-hmm. And being a total ignorant tweed dingus i'd like never heard math rock before and so we all thought that they like had invented this like insane (laughs) musical genre that like yeah you know we it just like blew our minds um but yeah so there was like there was some variety but it was mostly like right kind of you know a lot of like modest mouse and aquifer river and built to spill that kind of shit did you ever have a decision point where you said like, oh, I'm going to do music videos or had you wanted to do features in the, in the, in the long run or something like that? Or did you not really care? Uh, I think, I mean, yeah, the, well, music videos, I mean, this is sort of a cliche like story, but um, at that like DMA summer sessions when I was 16, um, I did take like this music video course and the instructor like asked, they were sort of giving away prizes and they like asked some question. I forget what it was, but I like raised my hand and I got it right. Um, he like tossed me one of those director series DVDs. Hmm. So that was like, I love that dude. Yeah. And, such a cool teacher. <laughs> what a badass man. Yeah. Um, and that like totally, you know, <laughs> like most people at the time, like just like sort of opened my eyes to what, because it was like post MTV, like that right. world was gone. Like the sort of the world of that era of like Spike Jones and yeah, you know that was sort of over at that point. Um, but it was just about to begin again. I feel like in terms of this kind yeah. of rebirth of music videos and um, DSLRs and stuff. So that that warmed its way into my my mind for sure. Right. Um, and and so I, like I just saw it as like a really a fun kind of low stakes outlet for being able to try different things and mm-hmm. um, yeah just to like experiment and be able to sort of tell visual stories that didn't necessarily have to fit into you know what people would consider a f- you know worthy of a feature length film right. Um, or necessarily have to have the kind of narrative logic that, you know, more traditional filmmaking would have. So it, um, yeah, it was a, a definitely, you know, and then, and then when I, um, so like after I did that M83 thing, uh, Will, who is definitely one of the, the most sort of talented musicians in our, in our scene, he got signed to Anticon and released uh, his first album as Bath. Mm. And that was like, you know, we were all super hyped on that. Um, and like, I had known Will for a long time and we had, we'd always wanted to like make something together. Um, so Joe and I made a, a video for him uh, called Lovely Blood Flow. And I think that was the first like legit music video that probably launched my sort of music video career. Right. Um, and that was like a sort of DSLR, you know, hmm. project that I made in the woods with my friends. Um, and that was like using a lot, like the sort of the people I met in my design program worked on that. And 
I, a lot of the After Effects and that I, I did myself, um, and I had just learned how to do it uh, in the program. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, that was kind of just kind of sort of got hooked. It was like such a fun, right. a fun way to be creative without having to like you know go the sort of feature film route, film school route. Because um, eventually, so like at each year of college, I'd like could basically average like one music video uh, a year, um, and then by the time it came to to apply to uh, the film school, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, I guess I just sort of fucked up the application, mm-hmm. um, got rejected <laughs> and was like pretty devastated for a minute. Um, cause I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So I just, I stayed in the design media arts program, um, which was kind of in its own way, like an alternative film school. Um, we basically had all the same gear. It was just like a couple of DSLRs. Right. Um, and I was able to somehow charm all my professors into letting me do like a music video for each like final project. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of, and I, and I don't regret it cause I think I just picked up a lot of just like weirder tertiary skills and things that, that have definitely like, I've been able to use and like, I still use after effects like, to this right. day I'm like fixing continuity and adding shit and you know that kind of stuff right. um, so it was a which I, I feel like a lot of like my friends who went through the film program kind of missed out on because it was way more traditional more sort of focused on like Hollywood filmmaking um, whereas I was kind of thrown into the more sort of visual DIY design world that's so interesting that eventually you you connected the two on your sort of on your own terms, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a it was a cool program. I mean, I just it was like a lot of it was connected with the fine art right uh, sort of department. So, I did a lot of like took a lot of art classes and um uh, sort of a history of modernism and baroque art and you know, all these things that I think are I really value now looking back, like I'm, I'm glad I got to take like, you know, Russian literature instead of, you know, going to film school. Cause I think it's like right. all that other stuff that informs my work now versus yeah. like, you know, where does that, when, when a music video comes to you, um, and you, you pitch on it and eventually you win it. When does, uh, what do you start? What are the first conversations like talking with a cinematographer for a music video? Um, well, with, with Dustin, the conversation's always like a, it's something I always look forward to. Um, some, oh, I just heard that thunder. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just because I think Dustin and I have this very kind of open, confident collaboration where we can sort of speak our mind and there's no fear of looking stupid or, or right. talking out of turn or maybe, you know, like, like for me, filmmaking is, is about, is like very discursive and I love to discuss and talk it out with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in that process of like discussing it and, and, making suggestions and, you know, qualifying those suggestions and then seeing what, what's working and what's not working. That's where the real sort of creativity happens. Um, so I think, um, I think when, once the, the treatment is, is usually pretty, I mean, in my earlier stuff, it was like a very, it was written very thoroughly and, almost like a script, you know, sort of beat for beat. Like I'd say like one sentence equals one shot Mm kind of. And so it was like, um, almost like a shot list. And then lately or, you know, in the past couple of years, it's been getting a lot looser. Um, mainly because like 
nobody reads treatments anyway. So you just have to hit them with like the top line, um, you know, sort of broad stroke stuff. So like, but I think that's also helpful um, because it gives more room for say like Dustin to come in and um, make some suggestions. And I always try to like open it up to the DP, you know, like how did they react to Mm -hmm. this treatment? Like what sort of, what's their first impulse? Because I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of the first, first idea is best idea. Right. Um, cause that's how a lot of like looking back through a lot of my notes for these, like when I'm writing on a, a track or something, all the first page of the notebook, um, you know, like or first, like half page, um, I'll sort of write some stuff down and then be like, no, nah, that fucking sucks. And then write three or four more pages and are you listening to the song while you're doing this? Or is it just like sort of on your own? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. It, sometimes, sometimes it is like all, yeah, I sort of have a, a few different kind of processes that I'll work through. Some of them, if one isn't working, I'll sort of jump to the next thing. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, but I, I always end up going back like, after three or four pages, I'll be kind of stumped and then I'll like flip back to the beginning and, you know, maybe by that point I'll have sort of a better idea of what it is. And then I'll go back and there it is like on the first page. Right. Right. <laughs> like, like, and it's, and it happens on like literally every That's funny. video I've done. It's like always within that first like half page. There's like some seed of the final idea. What is that usually? Is it, is it an image or is it, um, some type of like set dressing or something? What is that usually for you? Yeah, it's usually an image. I think like, I mean, so, sometimes like I'll have, there's sort of two kinds of things I'll write down. One of them is like a, a kind of just an, some sort of image. Um, very vague usually and, and kind of without context. And then the other kind of note I'll take is like a, um, something a little more, uh, like a question or Mm. a sort of, uh, ah, shit, maybe I should like open a notebook and see, cause it's, it's hard to describe. It's like, it's sort of a, um, just like a very sort of a broad thing, like, you know, like a mood or something. Right. You know, like, is the mood like this or like there's a, f- a female presence here or, you know, there's a like if, you know, if the lyrics have a if they're like if it's a love song or something or like, you know, they'll, they'll just be some sort of vague thing. Right. Um, so it's either one or the other or. Um, yeah. And or, or, you know, like man on his deathbed or. Right. Family is gathering around or, you know, just like these very sort of general kind of moods. This musical break is brought to you by Musicbed. called AM Architect. Daniel Stanish and Diego Chavez work together on this music from across the country. Daniel living in California and Diego in Colorado. They each supply their own layer to the music. In the end, there's an analog meets electronic style that always feels subtle, never trying to be too much in your face. You can check out more AM Architect at musicbed.com. And just for good listeners, they're offering 20% off your next purchase. Just remember to use coupon code GOOD at checkout. This episode is also sponsored by Film Supply. Film Supply's footage has been highly curated by experts to save you time on every edit. Film Supply is a highly kept secret by agencies, editors, and filmmakers alike. They have super easy to use search tools in any resolution format to match your film. 
I love Film Supply because it's not about finding something that just fits. It's about having options to choose which is the best for the story. Go to filmsupply.com for more info. And just for good listeners, they're offering three free clips when you sign up. And 20% off your next project with coupon code GOODPODCAST. What have you learned about treatments over the years, sort of doing a lot of music video, maybe music video treatments in general, because commercials are a little bit maybe different, but it feels like uh, music videos are are sort of a Wild West um, sort of spot, you know, like how do you find yourself trying to just like cut through the noise or do you even give a shit, you know? Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, well, definitely like my, how to cut through the noise. I think, I mean, I've been really lucky, I, just like timing wise, I think in, in my trajectory of like doing music videos is that um, I think I, I just very early on was able to sort of garner enough like goodwill and, right. and maybe like reputation that, I could start to work with bands that I liked that would like kind of trust me. So a lot of the videos are like single bids um, that I've done, Okay, which is definitely like, um, how often do you, would you say that that's happening um, with the stuff that you're doing? Uh, I mean, there's, it's usually like, uh, I'm trying to think. Cause like, I've, I've definitely like pitched on, I was just looking through some notebooks and like <laughs> reminded of all like the, the tracks that like never, never came to be. Um, uh, a few videos, like, um, like my stuff with the, my, like some of the XX stuff that I've done. Um, I don't know if flying Lotus was a single bid, but generally like, I don't, I don't want to, I, I try not to commit to things that I, I know won't, um, if I'm like in a giant pool of directors, like I probably, it's like a little harder for me to, to pitch. Cause I just feel right. like, you know, you're, you're kind of just like screaming into a void. You think um, most times you'll, you'll just sort of pass at that point. If you know that that's the situation. Yeah. I mean, unless the song is like really like, wow. Um, right. <laughs> and, and usually, I mean, it's, it's usually the case where like, you know, it, if it is an amazing song and an amazing artist, there are other people pitching, but you try to like, I don't know, just like work every angle to get, you know, get sort of a, some sort of inside track, you know, with, right, with right. your, with your, the people who are commissioning or your reps or whoever. Um, Cause I think it's always like, the, the way that the, the whole system works is a little weird and broken. Um, just because I think some of the, you know, the best work comes from collaborations with artists directly. Right. Um, and I've always tried to approach, even when I'm like pitching on a big thing, I, I try to approach it as a collaboration with an artist where I look at their discography and their the way that they present themselves to the world and their like visual um their sort of uh uh what would you call it? They're sort of branding their Yeah, their I don't, don't want to say branding, it sounds like it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> their their visual uh <laughs> fuck, I don't know. Um the the, I know, the way yeah, they, I know exactly what you're trying to say and I, I can't <laughs> figure it out either. Um their their aesthetic, identity their aesthetic, visual their aesthetic, aesthetic their visual identity um yes. <laughs> that's yeah that's what I was looking for um yeah because like and, and try to sort of enter into a a dialogue with with those things right um rather than just sort of pulling something out of my ass and you know like because I think I I think early on I had this idea that like you know I don't know if it was intentional or not, but my videos were always like these very elaborate kind of narrative plot driven 
you know, like sort of mini short films. Right. Um, and sometimes they, they, I always like made sure that the sort of themes of the song and the artist were interwoven into those things. But, um, you know, there was more of a, I don't know, kind of a, you're, you're, you're sort of like sort of sledgehammering your own vision into something, into like a, someone else's art. Right. Um, and so right, like as right. time has, time has gone on, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm sort of moving away from, from plot to kind of more sort of poetic forms of narrative. Right. Um, and that has more to do with like who the artist is and like, how do you represent this, you know, visually represent this person and what are they trying to say? So it, it, it is definitely like a synthesis. Um, and I think that can, that like the, the best way to sort of synthesize with someone is to talk to them, you know, right. or like meet with them. So I think having like a prior relationship with an artist is really important. Um, or, you know, and I guess in, in my case, like having a relationship with that person's work, a personal one, can kind of do the same task. And in some cases, it might be better because I found like talking to the artist is not always beneficial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's okay to like work in a vacuum because like when the, I don't know, there's something kind of magical when those two things come together, the artist has been sort of, you know, making their work alone and then you you're making your work alone coming up with your ideas and then they meet in the middle and there's something kind of exciting um you know if an artist has like a super clear vision of what they want to do it's a little harder to have that sort of spontaneous chemical reaction and i tend to not i sort of avoid projects that are like very prescriptive right right you know like I prefer the open-ended stuff. It seems like you're very protective of the process as opposed to, I think maybe a little bit more willing to let things go if the, if the process can't be what you know it should be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, how do you kind of, what are some of those things along like that you've put sort of pillars in your process that, that you stick to like sort of rules maybe. Like boundaries, like sort of setting setting creative boundaries for myself. Um, uh, I don't think I've ever like thought about it, but there's definitely like, um, I think it's just it's sort of you, you develop a sense like when you get a brief, mm-hmm. um, you develop a sense of like what stage the project is in, um, how much like input the artist has had is it coming from the label is it coming from the artist you kind of pick up all these little cues um and i think yeah i think definitely if it's like a if you know if the artist has written like a you know if they have it if they sort of if there's like a if you get a treatment or even like a you know, I don't mind like a mood board, but even that kind of like if they've put a lot of thought into it, yeah, like, uh, uh, too much, and like, yeah, yeah it, so, it seems like you're just sort of like inheriting things, exactly. Which sounds like a little bit of I don't know, say like a dick thing to say, like, like as if as if they don't have you know, it's like the artist's work, and clearly, and a lot of musicians sort it's of an interesting question, though, yeah. right? It's sort of a weird gray area. Of like, because they are in their own right artists, yeah. you know, in a different way. So like, yeah, how do you bridge that gap? You know. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's 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 about coming like sort of finding the middle ground where it's like you're you're being true to their identity as an artist, but then also your own, and I think having like number one, like the very first thing is like choosing which artists to work with. I think maybe that's more than anything, just like being selective um, very early has probably shaped my work, you know, like in my process. Uh, So if it's like a, 
you know, these are like, I, I try to only work with artists that do have a, an interesting visual sensibility or, right. um, you know, we share some kind of common aesthetic fascinations right. that I think, you know, would make like a good marriage. Like it, some, some artists, maybe I, I wouldn't really know what to do with, um, right. or I might just like not be interested in that aesthetic, you know, if, if in their own, in their, and so if it does, if it feels like a, you know, putting a square peg into a round hole kind of thing, I'll just avoid it altogether. Yeah. Um, cause it's, it would be, cause you want to bring value to them as well. Um, and if you, if you feel like you can't do that, then, you know, you should let someone else have a chance, you know, who, who maybe yeah. like fits better with them. Um, yeah, because like, and also the other thing is like, not every track deserves a music video. That's the other thing I've also hmm. kind of come to realize. <laughs> um, but maybe like a video from someone else. Like, I think if if you if you if you struck like over time, like there's definitely been briefs where I'll be writing, and this used to happen a lot more when I was younger. But I'd be writing for like a week. And maybe it might be like a single bid situation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like everyone's on my ass, like, dude, where's the treatment? Where's the treatment? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it's like not coming. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, and that, that actually <laughs> happened with like a, an early Alt-J uh, mm. track. And I like totally burned them because it was a single bid. Um, and I and just... They still came back, man. I know, they still came back. Came back for two more. <laughs> yeah, which was, which was very funny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there was, like, in that, in, when they came back around, there was kind of a little, like, they, they still wanted, they wanted to see what I could come up with, but they didn't trust me after that first... <laughs> right, right. That first uh, project. But, um, but, yeah, but I think if it's, if it's too difficult and you're struggling too much then you just have to recognize that, you know, it's not working for a reason right. and you should let it go. Yeah. Because, you know, but that's not to say, like you have to give it sort of work through it. Right. And there's definitely, you're, you know, like it, it doesn't always come easily. And, you know, some of my best work wasn't, didn't just like flow out. It, you know, it was a lot of hair pulling and torment um, to get to that to get to that final idea, but, um, you know, there is, there is a limit to that. So like, if I, if I, if it's too difficult, if I'm having too much trouble, I'll just like, let it go. Where do you, where do you find yourself sort of looking to, I don't know, like, do you think that music videos is sort of your path? Like, do you, are you really into, I don't know, so I'm, a lot of my friends, like, um, would, would just love to just do music videos for the rest of their life, you know? Is there, um, but there's something else that you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm, would love to make features, um, but I still, like, I, I'll always love music videos. I right. think like that'll always have, hopefully always have a place, um, in my creative life because I don't know. It's just like, it, it's nice to be able to like sort of exercise certain muscles and, um, like I was saying before, like you're, you're able to, to play with ideas that might be sort of too flimsy for a, mm. a feature length, you know, script or, or something that doesn't fit into right. a narrative short film or whatever. So it's, it's just such a, it's such a versatile medium for, for mixing in all these kinds of like crazy things. Right. Um, Has there ever been something, a music video sort of theme or idea that you like truly didn't know if it was going to be cool or not? Uh, or do you just sort of commit? Is it just, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, that's every job. <laughs> That's every right. job is like, is this going to be cool um, or terrible? I think that that's always part of it. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever, you, you get 
you sort of build confidence throughout the process and you kind of have mm-hmm. to trust the process. Like, you know, you'll start, you start with the, the treatment. That's where, I think that's where the confidence building really starts because then you start to put, you know, you have this like on paper, anything can sound stupid, you know, as a mm. written out as a sentence, you could, it could go, it could be the coolest thing. It could be the lamest thing. Um, and it's really about, how you treat it aesthetically. Um, same goes for commercial filmmaking as well. I think there's like, you know, it's, it's basically everything is a cliche. It's, it's how you handle the cliche that can sort of elevate it or, you know, ruin it. So, um, so yeah, like the, that start, you know, putting pictures to your words, like there suddenly you start to like, catch a feeling and you're like you know you say okay i can start you start to see it and then you know it's it's kind of a a delicate weird little baby but it's like something you get something that you can like kind of defend because then it's really about you know throughout the process then you get the dp involved and then you get a production designer involved and they kind of add and build things and then you start to see locations which is like, you know, 50% of the thing. Right. So, and then, and then it starts to come together and suddenly you're, you know, you have a, a very clear vision, um, of like what it could be possibly. Do you, what does your reference sort of library look like? What does that process look like? Um, I used to be like super, I mean, a few years ago, it was all kind of digital, um, but then at a certain, a couple of years ago, I, I just like switched off and I have like, um, my girlfriend calls me the library man because uh. I'm sort of like ensconced in books. Um, and basically, yeah, just to, like, I, I try to, I try to pull references from like unlikely sources. I right. think that like more and more. I'll, I'll be less focused on, you know, trying to like, like match cinematography to an idea, mm. you know, like I'll, like less and less I'll, I'll like dig through. Cause I have like a couple drives full of screenshots from, from films, you know, cataloged. And, um, I think for music videos for like a commercial, it makes sense to, to have that very specific, library of references where you can sort of point to certain techniques and stuff. But then for music videos, I think, um, I think it's, you're, you're allowed to be a little more lyrical and, and abstract with, with how you reference things. Cause I, you know, um, so I, I like to pull from, you know, like paintings or, um, a lot of photography. I've got like a lot of photo books. Who's your, um, your sort of, top um photo books right now top photo books um <clears throat> me and me and dustin were talking about the, the <laughs> alex Oth one that just came out that i don't have quite yet oh yeah he has it yeah dustin dustin is like a very he great, seems on it man yeah he's super, <laughs> he's super on it he's got like the i mean his his library is like super curated mine's not as curated mm-hmm. um it's pretty all over the place um it's kind of a little high, yeah. a little low, you know, just sort of random, random shit. Um, I don't know, like photographers. Uh, I've got this. I mean, it's mostly the, the stuff that I look for, I think, like definitely sort of the Magnum photographers. Right. Like, obviously, um, I find to be... Mostly like for inspiration, because I think that sort of reportage, like documentary style photography is really like it pulls in a lot of, you know, sort of real world things, you know, like emotion and and political whatever. And and so like I find looking at those things to be inspiring, Um, uh, like like um, Eugene Richards. Obviously, like that stuff is like really, like 
sometimes you know you can sometimes I'll just sort of sit with one of those books and just look through it as kind of like a emotional primer yeah for some right, other right. creative work maybe it's not even related but it really like those photographs can really like open you up right kind of just make you feel raw and then you can kind of channel that somewhere else so it doesn't necessarily even have to be related to what I'm working on Right. That's what I was going to say, because your work doesn't have, it doesn't bleed this sort of like, like extreme sort of documentary rawness, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it is very um, theatrical in ways and stuff, but I like what you said about it. It becomes sort of a palate cleanser, like an totally. emotional sort of palate cleanser to like get into another space than you're trying to be in Yeah, uh, when absolutely. you're writing for something. I think that's really cool. Yeah, totally. And it just, it, it gives you, it puts you in touch with, it's so easy to kind of get distance from, I don't know, right? emotional life when you're, you know, because like when you're, when you're working on something creative, it's, it's like you, you want to find ways to connect with the material on an emotional level. And sometimes you kind of have to sort of artificially produce that. Right. You know, do, do you have a, a sort of a fear of repeating yourself? Uh, yeah. Um, it's not so much repeating myself. I don't think I like work enough. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like I, I like my especially music videos. Like I, they're so seldom that you know, and always so different. Like I, it's sort of. I don't like like I've never gotten the chance to repeat myself. Um, maybe I maybe you know like. That would be an interesting experience. Um, That's interesting, though. Like, there's never been moments where artists have have brought you sort of like, "I love this thing that you've done. I want to do this." Yeah, not Is really. That thing. Yeah, really. Not, not really. They. I mean, some like the more so on like in like commercials and stuff. I just don't really like. I I just don't do that many music videos, and and I think like. Yeah, it just it's never really come up. They don't right. I, there's always like a sort of trust there where they're like you know, we usually I think those artists are like at a certain level, like the artists that I I'm attracted to are people who are sort of at a level that mm -hmm. they wouldn't need like they they sort of respect the, the artistic process enough not right. to be like, "Yo, give me this." Like do it again um, right yeah but but in terms of things that I've, I've I'm always battling against definitely it's with narrative um, because it's such a strong impulse when I'm working that I have to like constantly be like distancing myself from it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, so you it's, want to be less narrative you want to be more a little bit looser is that what you're saying yeah exactly okay. and it's it's like i think that's been one of like something i've always struggled with is like um you know narrative isn't everything it just takes different forms and it depends on how it's explored um but i've i think throughout my work it's like I've, I've been trying to move away from plot narrative to more like poetic narrative which is more i'd say like about free association than some sort of causal you know a abc right. um plot driven right, right thing and so like ideas that are very plotty um i'm like all constantly on the lookout for those um so like if, if I'm ever working and it's like to get to B, we need to explain A. Right. Um, then I'm like, okay, wait, stop. What's wrong? Yeah, right. something's wrong here. And then unless that A is something beautiful in its own right, I consider it plot. Um, and then if you, you can have a little bit, but then too much, suddenly you're stuck with this very like procedural storytelling style Right. Where everything has to have continuity and, you know, you're, you're, you start to screw yourself because suddenly like, I mean, it, it can, it can work. You just have to approach it in a different way. Like suddenly there's just more room for errors because if, if like, if you're making a, a sort of semi narrative piece and like to explain something 
you need to like provide context. If you don't get that context done right, the whole right. thing kind of falls apart. Right. And, so, and knowing what those things are, those like context moments, <laughs> like which are the important ones, that's a whole thing. So like right. it's, you know, that it is can, such a, a, a young YouTuber sort of music video cliche that you see <laughs> all the time is this over shooting of a fucking narrative yeah. that doesn't really matter in the, in the first place. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, I don't need to know that what shoes she's wearing because it ties into the plot where she throws it at the guy in, in <laughs> three minutes from now. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, 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 totally, it's, what you're saying. totally. It's like the, you know, the flashback to the photo or the, right. you know, the, the photo in the picture frame, like that's the ultimate plot yeah. moment, which is like, okay, we need to establish the photo at the bedside Right. To like understand, you know, like that, that's the kind of shit that. Well, it sounds like you're a big part of your process is simplification. Totally. Is yeah. How does that, how do you tell me a little bit, lay, lay it out as far as like, you know, you're sitting at home, like, and you have fucking just note cards everywhere. How do you start simplifying things? What do you start taking away? I think that's, that's always been the hardest thing for me is to, like make it simple. I don't think I've ever been able to successfully make anything simple. Right. Um, and I, I think I've, I've like come to accept that maybe that's just my style, you know, like these sort of complex, maybe cerebral ideas that tend towards narrative, you know, like that mm -hmm. I, I, even projects where I was like, okay, this is going to be, it's just visual poetry there's no story. Yeah. Um, just as it goes, you know, like as the it starts to snowball yeah. and the and the process <laughs> goes along, it suddenly ends up being this fucking like epic story. Um, yeah. Like for example, the the Alt J thing I did, um, the black and white one. It started as like okay, a guy is like carrying a coffin through the wilderness, yeah. like sort of to some sort of burial in the next town. And it's all, it's sort of based on, you know, it's like sort of visceral animal imagery. Um, it was actually based on a poem that the band had sent to me. It's this uh, Ted Hughes poem, who's the husband of Sylvia Plath. Um, and so I was like, okay, it's, it's going to be like a poem. It's not, we're not going to get into, fall into any like weird plotty right. situations. But, not, you know, it, it, as it goes along, those things just creep back in. So keeping it, keeping it simple has always been a challenge. Um, I think it's easy. I've, I've found, I, like, I, I still work a lot with Joe Nankin. Um, we started as a duo um, and made our first couple of music videos together as a duo. Um, and we really speak the same language. We, our, our dads had worked together. Um, his dad, wrote a movie that my dad directed and our moms were pregnant together. So we had this whole, like, we're kind of like brothers and, um, and it, it really, uh, it helps to have someone who's like totally on your wavelength. Um, but we still call each other and, and, and like pass ideas back and forth. So like, right. I have a lot of experience being like, he'll pitch some idea that he's working on to me. And I'm like, dude, no, fuck that. Strip it down. Like, yeah, simplify right. it. And it's so easy to do when it's someone else's idea. Um, but when it's your own, it's yeah. just so tangled. And Because um, you, so, you have so much that you want to say. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And you're trying to be, you're, there's like too many masters and you're trying to right. serve them all. You're like, oh, yeah. but there's that sad note. We got to have, can't lose that sad moment or, you know, this or that. And, and you're like you don't know which ones are important. So that's right. why another, I think, thing about my process would, I'd say is like that kind of discursive, like talking it out with someone, even if it's like, like that, it's, it's, it's almost as basic as just verbalizing an idea, like, right. because there's something that happens in the sort of neuro-linguistic, uh, fog that, you know, as you're speaking and, and your brain, yeah. certain parts of your brain are activated and certain parts are not. And in that kind of, that sort of magic gap between what you're thinking and what you're saying, there's, 
this sort of the, un, the unconscious as a chance to be present there. Right. So, so I think hmm. being able to speak about the idea has always like led to like a breakthrough for me. So like sometimes I'll be locked in my room, like, you know, struggling for days and then I'll like call Joe. And then in like the first, just an hour of talking, it's like, I've done more work than I did in those four days. Right. You know? So like, that's a huge thing. So like, I think it's to, to simplify, I always like look outside to someone else to say like, what, strikes you what's the important part about this because usually you're you're kind of you've got four the idea that you wrote down is really four or five different ideas right usually i mean that's that's at least my shit is like it's like there's there's this element and then that element and then this element because i sort of i like this i like putting things like disparate things together and finding like the beauty and in, in sort of marrying two things right. that might not go together. So I've, I've, I've never been good at coming up with that, like that one or, or, yeah, right. you know, that like that one location video. Um, that's just never been my thing. I wish I had that talent, but right. I've just come to accept. Well, dude, I, I think, I mean, I, as soon as, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people that, uh, I've watched your work for a long time, but, um, and I think it's a, a part of it is sort of that you like, didn't have a name, right? Uh-huh. Like you, you totally. I don't even really want to know. I'm the kind of person that's like, did like, I don't even really want to know why you started calling yourself young replicant <laughs> because it's so fucking cool. And I'm like, dude, just like, yeah, dude's young replicant, like whatever I think, but that was part of it was like, this guy sort of doesn't really follow any rules and he's making some very weird, interesting sort of fine art shit. And like, you know, like it, it's sort of this thing. It's sort of like Radiohead. Like I don't really want to know Tom York. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. And I'm not, it sounded really weird that it just like, um, referred to you in the same sort of like thing as Radiohead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I think it's the same sort of like place in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. It, as far as the work that you're putting out into the world, I mad respect it, and I appreciate you coming on the show and hanging out. And oh, thank you. Being man. real cool, man. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as I like to call him, my dear friend, Christian. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at GoodThePodcast. <laughs>